Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by my company, Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com or give me a call. Well, today we have a special show for you, as we always do, right? Well, one of the things that we're seeing and hearing about, we've seen about and heard, heard about it for several years now, is crowdfunding. But I talked to a lot of developers and investors, and you know they've shot away from it, really haven't done it. And so it's been interesting to, to see this industry evolve. Well, what I have for you today is a very successful crowdfunding company and the uh, co-founder there, and then a, a developer that's been a very respected developer, has been in business forever, uh, that's actually done some crowdfunding deals. And so we tell you what it's really like to be involved in crowdfunding. Please welcome my guest. First, it's Darren Powderly. He's co-founder with CrowdStreet, and he's joining us on Skype. Darren, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be back on the show and uh, look forward to participating with Bob here and uh, having another great, uh, great session with you. Well, welcome. And then we have Bob Peterson and he's chairman with Carter. And of course, he is in Studio One. Bob, thanks for being with us. Glad to be here. And uh, like I said in the opening, it's like it's awesome to to have you on the show, Bob, because you've actually done some crowdfunding. And I'm sure with you guys, with your stature in the community. You didn't have to. I mean, you have plenty of equity. You have plenty of equity, institutional and, and private equity partners that want to invest with, with you guys. So just just as a, as a start, if you will, why did you try crowdfunding? What, what tempted you to do it? Uh, well, to be frank, mm -hmm. um, uh, the first uh, project we did mm -hmm. uh, in crowdfunding uh, with CrowdStreet was a little over a year ago, mm -hmm. and we had uh, and we had been looking at crowdfunding for a good while, and we had talked to another a number of crowdfund companies. Mm -hmm. We were a little suspicious about how it might go, and so we chose a small project. We chose a project that we already had financed, uh, and so if things did not work out, that we were still already underway and ready to go. So for us, it was somewhat of an experiment. But uh, what ended up happening is it was, uh, it was a very, uh, very good experience. Uh, the process was smooth and, and it was fun. And so we're currently doing our second one. Yeah, and uh, in, in case you're not familiar with uh, Carter, they've been around for 61 years. They do some great projects, uh, public-private and, and, uh, and uh, developers. They've been around a long time. They have a great reputation. So it's really cool and interesting to see that, that you've tried it and done it and even enjoyed it. And then, and Darren's been in the uh, uh, crowdfunding for, I guess, since it really started, right, Darren? Yeah, that's right, Michael. We, uh, we started in 2012 and uh, came up with the concept in 2012, uh, just simply thought, thinking that online real estate investing made sense. Uh, we do call it crowdfunding. Uh, there was a, the Jobs Act bill of 2012, which was the spark. So it's important to go back to you know why was this why did this all of a sudden take off uh, about six seven years ago and the reason is because of of a uh, national federal law that changed called the, called the Jobs Act which which enabled enabled you know solicitation and advertising of private offerings number one and number two it enabled uh, online you know investing in private offerings and so that was you know a big legal change that in order to uh, enabled us to to uh, democratize real estate investing as we know it and 
you know, we launched the, the company in 2014. Uh, we immediately had some success. We raised $1.6 million on our very first deal. It took us about three work three weeks to do that, all online. And, and since then, we've raised almost a billion dollars uh, through uh, our online portal at, at CrowdStreet.com. Uh, but more importantly is, is sort of why is this being so, why is it so successful? And I think simply put is that American investors want to invest in real estate. Uh, many of your listeners are professionals in the space. Uh, they make a living in real estate, uh, or they uh, they understand the benefits of investing in real estate. And we're just really proud to be able to give them another vehicle, another way uh, to do that, which is the online way. Uh, so you know, great great traction, great adoption from individual investors, and that's really our audience as we serve individual investors. Uh, and, and there's other ways for them to do that. But this trend, I think, is really a benefit to, to individual investors throughout the United States. And, um, you know, working with groups like, like Bob and Carter is just a perfect example of the type of opportunities that we want to introduce individual investors to. So, yeah, yeah and, it's, and it's nice. And it gives the everyday investor the opportunity to invest with a sponsor uh, that has the experience uh, and track record of, of Carter. Uh, so that's very nice. And I think when you look at it from the sponsor's view, though, I think some of the sponsors and developers that I talk to think of crowdfunding, and their first thought is, oh, I might have to deal with hundreds of unsophisticated uh, investors. Uh, I don't want them to do that. But that's not the case in the way you do it, right, Darren? We have heard, uh, fielded that concern uh, thousands of times, and it's the right question to ask. Uh, because you know, you think about working with friends and family in an offline format, and and we specifically find sponsors that have great track records at the real estate level or the property level. In Bob's case, you know, multiple billions of dollars of, of real estate uh, owned and operated, acquired, developed, and so forth. That's a great example. They truly are best in class, proven operate, uh, proven development firm. And, and even at his scale, you know, the concern is uh, will working with friends and family, now he may have dozens or even hundreds of his own, but now we're talking hundreds or thousands, you know, what is the burden of that management? And, and it's through technology that we solve that. Uh, we solve, you know, the ability to scale uh, syndication uh, through technology and, and through services. So uh, it we're like a single point of contact is, is one of the ways that we solve it. So the developer, uh, got, in this case, is just working with you. You're really the, the one investor that they kind of deal with, right? At, at that's, that's right. That's right. And, and it's, I, I always look at it, and Bob can talk more about this, but it's like a division of labor. It's, it's a true partnership. We do a lot, but there's a division of labor. Uh, Bob at, at points and the Carter team will have to interact with investors. Uh, they should be ready to do so. But we'll try to uh, minimize that burden as much as possible. But, but really, it's not a burden. At some point, you know, the, the developers like Carter that we that we accept on the marketplace, every, every sponsor has to apply. Uh, they want to interact with investors at a certain level. Um, and we we make that possible at scale. Okay, and let's go back to Bob to the the actual project, the the first one one you you did. Tell us a little bit about that that project and how it went. Well, it was uh, or it is uh, construction will be completed this spring, but it is a um, 187 unit uh, multifamily uh, property on the uh, campus of Morehouse School of Medicine. It also includes a 35,000 square foot office building, which is going to be leased by the Morehouse School of Medicine for uh, a clinic and, and as well as uh, some office space. And um, a project is a, uh, is a $55 million project. We 
We had already raised our limited partner capital, as I mentioned. Uh, we had used, as we typically do uh, for our general partner, uh, uh, capital, uh, friends and family, and our own company. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and so in this case, the CrowdStreet uh, investors replaced uh, some of that general partner capital. And how much equity did what did you raise through CrowdStreet? Well, we uh, again, as I told you, it was a, for us that first one was a test case, mm -hmm. uh, and so we raised uh, actually raised 1.1 million. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, once we went through the process of packaging the the property, uh, submitting it through CrowdStreet to the marketplace, and uh, a webinar, uh, within 45 minutes of finishing our webinar, uh, we had raised 150 percent of the capital we were looking for. Wow, that's so, pretty uh, fast. Yeah, yeah. So you liked the process. That was, it was, it the was process was kind of straightforward. Yeah, and another thing about, I want to make a comment about the individual investors. Our company uh, has always been focused on relationships and, uh, and our partners and our clients. So we have dealt with many, many investors, large limited partners and, and, and private equity funds as well as individuals. So that part of the process has been very much standardized, but it does not take away the occasional uh, questions or face-to-face -face, uh, of actually occasionally dealing with, you know, with one of the uh, investors. And, and speaking from a developer kind of sponsor view, um, what what is the benefit of uh, raising some of your equity through through the crowd like this versus other methods that you have? Well, uh, I think a couple of things. There's a standardization of the process, uh, the templates that we fill out as part of the investment. Uh, 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 pro forma and 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 and, and you know with CrowdStreet, yeah. yeah, with CrowdStreet, yeah. it's very standardized. So that that part of it is good. And I just think the other thing that's really good is that the marketplace and the private equity people, they're they're either all doing this type of investment, as you well know, or that type of investment, or that type of investment, and. Uh, and we do a little bit of a, a number of projects because most of them are mixed use. So we have commercial, retail, office, uh, and multifamily. And it just opens our product type and the investment style or type uh, to a larger audience. Yeah, it's a massive audience that gets to review. And, and how big is that audience uh, right now, Darren? Uh, we have 70, 73,000 individual investors that are participating in the CrowdStreet marketplace all around the United States. Our target market is sort of the, the mass affluent and accredited investor uh, uh, target. We do have some family offices, but it's, it's primarily individual investors that understand the value of real estate investing, have had some success in their careers so far, and uh, are interested in, in partnering and kind of being the, the limited partner you know, in, in with, with a group like Carter. And I was just gonna sort of, uh, in addition to what Bob said, you know, why do sponsors uh, like Carter, you know, come to CrowdStreet, or, or actually just, just forget CrowdStreet for a second, why are they interested in syndication with friends and family uh, versus institutional in, uh, JV equity? Uh, because they have a choice now. And the answer, uh, in our experience, comes down to three main factors. Number one is control. Uh, with, with syndication through friends and family or individual investors, uh, the sponsor typically maintains a higher level of control. Uh, number two is, is cost of capital. Uh, we have, we're slightly accretive. Uh, with friends and family, it's, it's slightly accretive economics uh, versus you know, a large joint institutional joint venture equity partner. And number three is certainty. 
Uh, the certainty of the capital in, in a development, especially in an acquisition, it's got to be there. Uh, we have solved for numbers one and two, the control and the cost of capital since, you know, for years now. Uh, and number three, the certainty of capital is something that we are, we've made great strides on. Our average raise now is, is about $5 million uh, per offering. And as Bob said, in his experience, that came, you know, he, he raised 1.1 in, in a matter of uh, less than an hour. Uh, it was off the marketplace in, in less than 24 hours and, and done. Uh, we, we're now raising 5, 10, 15, 25 million dollars recently on a, on a major deal in, in as much time. So yeah. the certainty of capitals is, is now being solved through volume. That's great. Well, I've got more questions for, for both of you, but I think this is really interesting for from, from the investor side, the, the retail investor, credit investor that can invest with, within these great projects uh, and do it very efficiently. Uh, and also kind of more support questions on the developer and sponsor side uh, of some of the challenges and some of the benefits. We're going to take a short break, so stay with us. We'll have more right after this quick break. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. The segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. If you are a commercial real estate agent, you deserve to check it out. CommercialAgentSuccess.com training. Well, today we're talking about crowdfunding. We're looking at it from the sponsor's view. We're going to talk about it a little bit from the investor side. And this is a rather unique show. We're not just talking about crowdfunding. We're talking with people who are actually doing it, with the sponsors doing it. My guests are Darren Powderly. He's co-founder with CrowdStreet, and he's with us uh, on uh, video here. Then we have Bob Peterson with us. He's chairman with Carter. They've been doing developments uh, around the, the southeast and around Atlanta for, for 61 years. They just did a successful uh, project uh, uh, last year, and, and, and that we're raising uh, uh, money through the crowd, through through Darren's company, CrowdStreet, and and Bob. Uh, now that you've done it, you've done you've had success on, on what was is considered a small raise and project for you guys. Are you going to do it again? Yeah, we're doing it right now. Okay. So um, we have a, uh, a a retail commercial retail project that's really an adaptive reuse where uh, we are. Uh, uh, at a project called, uh, we really call this phase of the project Georgia Avenue, and it's 48,000 square feet of uh, primarily restaurant and some uh, uh, commercial space and some office space that uh, we began construction on about a year and a half ago uh, in terms of renovation and lease up. We're uh, pretty much 100% leased, uh, with uh, including LOIs, and we are starting in January a second phase of that, another 10,000 square feet. So in total, uh, the capital we're raising is, 40, is for a 48,000 square foot project of about $20 million. We have a bank loan from BB&T um, that's in place now that will be increased for the new development, which is committed. And so we are looking to raise $6 million through the uh, crowdfunding platform. Uh, uh, for our remaining capital 
required for equity for that and, deal. And it's kind of an interesting project in that it's it's part of, if any of you from uh, been in Atlanta, you remember the old Turner Field, uh, I guess was part of the Olympics, right, in 96. Uh, and, and part of that uh, is Georgia State's involved there now. And you guys bought this, how many acres? And tell us a, a little bit about this entire project. Because if you drive through Atlanta, 75, 85, you look over, it's right there. Right, right. <laughs> uh, it, yes, it's very exciting. And that's a big part of it. Some, yeah. The Georgia Avenue property is really just a, uh, a major phase where we're creating uh, experiential retail, overused term maybe, but uh, very, very important. And it's already been very well received with some very successful restaurants. Mm -hmm. uh, but the whole project for us is uh, 35 acres. Uh, we have opened uh, uh, another developer, Aspen Heights, opened a uh, 70 million, 675 bed student housing project uh, in our neighborhood. 100% uh, pre-leased in mm -hmm. August of this year. We have 312 uh, apartment units underway, uh, which will open in about 18 months. Mm -hmm. We have a major grocer, LOI, that's moving into the neighborhood. There are two other competitive developers less than a half a mile away doing multifamily projects. Uh, one's under construction, one will start in the spring. There's, there's 100 townhomes priced from 300000 to $700,000 underway right next door to our retail property. Nice. And so all of this has happened just in the last uh, few years. Our property is eight minutes from the airport, one mile from Georgia State University. And, uh, of course, Georgia State has renovated the football, the former Brave Stadium to mm -hmm. be there home football field. So yeah, and this is, in, this is in the heart of Atlanta, really. I mean, right. it's incredible. And, and it's interesting that, that these the individual investors can invest in a project like this that's in the middle of, of all this kind of redevelopment and, and, and what a great area to be in. And, and Darren, when, when individual investors are out there and they're looking at different platforms and different online places to invest in commercial real estate, what are a couple tips that you could provide for them? Some, some, maybe to, some things to watch out for maybe. Well, the Carter Summerhill project is a great example of individual investors, whether you're in Atlanta uh, or you're in Portland, Oregon or San Francisco, anywhere. You know, uh, if you like the demographics of the Atlanta market and you like the idea of, you know, gentrification uh, happening in a great part of the city, you know, with with big developers, you know, combining forces, as Bob just described, to uh, you know, really re revitalize an area that needed revitalization. To participate in that is something that's really unique. Uh, there's multiple reasons. Number one is the the economics. Uh, for most of us, uh, some of us might be more motivated by the gentrification of investing in your city. Uh, most of us are actually more motivated by the actual economics. Uh, it was nearly impossible to participate in a project like Summerhill with Carter uh, as an individual investor with the $25,000 check. And so I think the access to that uh, opportunity is, is number one. Number two. And how, how, how small of an amount can someone invest in a project like that through CrowdStreet? $25,000. It's a minimum. Okay. Yeah, $25,000 is the minimum. Uh, the average ticket size that we experience is, is $50,000. And there's no cap in terms of the num the amount that you could invest. And what are the returns these investors might might think about? Well, Bob, what are the returns that we're uh, we're projecting? So all returns are, are projections, and the Summer Hill project in particular, I can bring it up right now because yeah. I have a different screen on. Uh, but but overall, throughout the platform, I would say 
that um, the average returns, again, we're talking about big institutional quality commercial real estate. Um, and there's a, a, the large majority have in place income. These are mostly value add type of projects, uh, but not all. We have some development projects as well where there's no you know, current cash yield and it's more of an IRR driven return. Um, but the, a good portion of them have existing cash flow, and let's call that five to seven percent of, of current cash yield, with an on-target total return or an IRR uh, in the industry, as it's called, uh, projected in the mid-teens. Right, so you might get five percent cash flow today, and a fifteen percent, you know, return five years from now when the project is is fully sold or realized or refinanced. Uh, those are some average uh, return projections that we see, you know, across the nation. Can a uh, so I assume an investor, if they're selling a property, um, can they can't 1031 into a project like this through you? Can they use it as part of a replacement property? So these are LLCs. These yeah. are businesses that invest in in the real estate. So they're partnerships, and that's right. They they're they're not open or applicable to 1031 exchanges. I will say that uh, there are certain or select sponsors on the Crabtree marketplace that. Uh, structure their offerings as DSTs or even TICs, which of course are designed for the 1031 exchange investors. So if, if there's an investor listening right now and they are in a coming up in a 1031 exchange, we can certainly accommodate that either with a live offering on the marketplace or you know through uh, some of our sponsors that are continuously opening. I'm with open you. To I'm with you. So, so Darren, back to the tips for for investors that are maybe just online. And, at, at, at various crowdfunding uh, opportunities out there. Should they understand the project they're going into, the market? Should they understand the sponsor? Should they understand the actual company uh, like you guys and, and how you work and kind of uh, what background there is there? Absolutely. You know, whenever an investor is considering a private offering or a private equity real estate deal, you know, understanding the sponsor and the sponsor track record is is first and foremost of importance uh, because that's who's going to have the fiduciary duties uh, to take be responsible for your capital and also put that capital to work in the most efficient, effective manner. Um, they're the ones executing on the business plan uh, as an individual investor, uh, most often passive, no voting rights and so forth. So the sponsor, uh, you know, quality is, is first and foremost importance. Secondly, uh, looking at the property and understanding everything from, you know, the building or the development plans to the neighborhood, to the trends, to the competition. Some of the things that are really fascinating about this uh, Carter Summer Hill project, the property itself, in this case, uh, you know, an experiential retail, multiple buildings during a certain street, uh, which we've seen in cities like Denver, like Larimer Square, so hopping, you know, really high energy and successful stretch of experiential retail. We see that all over the nation, despite the streaming of Netflix and shopping on Amazon. People need to get out. You know, so looking at the property and the details there, uh, secondly, most important. Third, uh, look at the this investment structure. Uh, you know, the returns on investment, how, you know, the difference between the property level returns 
and the net to investor level returns. And there's, of course, some very legitimate costs involved in that spread, and the sponsor needs to make money as well. But there's there, that's important to understand. How many fees are involved there? Are they in the range of acceptability? You know, who's got prioritization? Uh, where in the capital stack are, are you? Are you t looking at a mezzanine opportunity, a preferred equity or a common equity? Uh, and, and, and getting educated about those key terms and, and seeking you know, advice or guidance from others who, who may be more experts in that. I would say that those are the three things that individual investors need to look out for um, above and beyond. A lot of details below that, of course, Michael, but those are big. What about uh, liquidity for these individual investors? Uh, is there any liquidity uh, there at all? I mean, they just wait and It's limited. Yeah, it's very limited in, uh, in real estate period. Uh, online, offline, liquidity is limited. Right, and there's transaction costs. If you were to just buy a rental house in, in your hometown, uh, there's of course you know uh, liquidity available, possibly by putting it up for sale and incurring probably three to five percent of, of transaction costs. And you have to have a willing buyer, of course. Yeah, so yeah, in real estate, liquidity is a problem. Uh, it's 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 probably pretty similar with online investing. Uh, you're also a passive investor, and so it's up to the sponsor to decide, you know, are they going to sell early? Are they going to be selling at the, say, five-year time frame when they're projected and, and, and advertised in their offering materials? Or do they need to extend you know, the ownership to, to maybe it's a bad time to sell real estate because we're in a recession five years from now. Those are certain things that, again, back to the sponsor quality uh, and the fiduciary responsibility that they have. Yeah. Uh, we are exploring a secondary market. Uh, there, there's, and, and there are other companies that, that you know, would want to buy shares of an individual investor's holdings. If I had $50,000 and somebody, and I needed to, to get that money out, uh, there are vehicles and ways, and I think we're going to see more of that in the future. I can, you know, tip my hat to where the industry is going, so that individual investors can kind of sell and buy shares, uh, almost in a similar format that we can buy and sell public securities on the New York Stock Exchange. Yeah, that's very interesting. And so I do get calls from from investors who, who have a piece, a limited piece, in, in a project, and they're looking to get out. And of course, as, as brokers uh, who sell large properties. You know that's not that exciting to us. You know we don't have a, a platform in that uh, to do that, and it's kind of too small for us. So it's interesting, interesting market. Well, b back to the to the sponsor side, the developer side, Bob. Uh, was there anything that, that you know? Again, you guys didn't have to do this. You guys have been around forever. You could raise equity from institutional or limited partners anywhere. You decided to try it. Was there anything that kind of surprised you about the about the the process or the outcome or anything? Well, I think the biggest surprise was how successful it was, yeah. and how you know how rapidly the capital was raised. Uh, again, we had we had uh, let's say checked out the Crowd Street crowd, uh, <laughs> and and we had some confidence early on, some some sort of faith in the process, uh, and, and it's been delivered. So the technology's worked well. We you know we we our accounting department and management department, it's all worked quite well. So we're really looking forward to this January. Offering and and just assuming it goes uh, just you know just as just as well. So I we'll bet see. It, we'll see. I, I bet it will. And what would be a kind of a final uh, a tip to to a sponsor out there that might be considering crowdfunding? Now you're talking about my competitors. So I, <laughs> That's right. I don't want them to get. <laughs> don't do it. No, never mind. Yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> Sorry, Darren. But. Uh, uh, 
No, I, I just think, seriously, I think for uh, certain property types, it's mm -hmm. a great way to go. I think mm -hmm. Darren has highlighted the, the, uh, the advantages mm -hmm. uh, to the sponsor mm -hmm. as well. Uh, and uh, look, we love our uh, private equity limited partners, but they are the heavyweight, and mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they will their weight yeah. uh, in terms of timing of sale, and maybe it's not best for the property, but it's best for the... We hadn't experienced this much, particularly in this environment. Yeah. But but I have seen times in my career where we were either selling or not selling, uh, regardless of the real estate, let's put right. it that way. And, and that I, can happen from time to time. Sure. We all know that. Sure, and I think that's a really big uh, benefit of, of using the crowd. And uh, Darren, uh, parting tips for uh, maybe sponsors out there or, or investors? You know, I, I would just uh, highlight a few things uh, for sponsors, uh, real estate developers is is one to just, you know, uh, understanding that this this trend of online real estate uh, investing or in that in their case, fundraising, right, online fundraising for their projects and developments is, is already proven. Uh, you know, it's five, six, seven years you know, proven now. Again, it started in 2012. And we're moving from a period of the early adopters, investors like the power user investor, uh, really a do-it-yourself, independently-minded person. The same people that opened Charles Schwab accounts online in like 1996 are the ones who have been investing online in real estate uh, from 2014 to say last year. But, but last year we started to see an audience open up, more of like a, a mass audience of investors. That's where the 73,000 people come from. And I think what, what developers and, and sponsors need to understand is that now it's scaling rapidly uh, the amount of, of money, and it's not it, it's intelligent investors who are investing real dollars, and the amount of money that they can raise online, you know, uh, through various platforms is instead of one to two million dollars, we're talking five, ten, twenty-five million dollars. Three weeks ago, we raised thirty million dollars on a project in twenty-four hours. Twenty million dollars of that thirty million dollars came in twenty minutes. I mean, it is mind blowing to us as well. Oh, it's awesome. fascinating to see the trend and it really still is very early days. So there could be a time in the future that we forecast where there's $50 million on a per project basis. So um, it's, if, if you haven't learned about it yet, I would say that just, just seek to understand what's happening in online real estate fundraising for common and, and preferred equity for your projects, because it, it could be a nice alternative and, and enable you to do, to do projects that you otherwise uh, may, may have difficulty to, to uh, find the equity for. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, great information. Uh, Darren, thanks for joining us, thanks for being on the show. Bob, thank you for being right. on the show. Thank Appreciate you. you coming to the Studio One. and. Uh, uh, if you'd like more information from Darren's uh, company, their website is crowdstreet.com. Uh, if you'd like to look at some of Carter's uh, uh, projects, uh, their website's carterusa.com. Once you stay with us, I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Bull. This segment is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, give me a call or visit bullrealty.com.
Well, today we're talking about crowdfunding, and what a great topic because it seems like it's been around for a while, but what's been going on? Please welcome my next guest is Adam Kaufman. He is co-founder and COO of Arbor Crowd, and he's joined us in Studio One. Adam, thanks for being here, sir. Michael, thanks for having me. We appreciate it. And, you know, I think some people think of crowdfunding, and they may think of it as a little more one-dimensional, uh, but there's really kind of some various different types of platforms out there, right? Can you kind of explain to us what, you know, how many different platforms there are and basically how they're different? Yeah, so there's, there's an abundance of platforms out there, and mm -hmm. a few of them are quality but most of them operate under one of two models. Either they find individual deals and allow investors, accredited investors at that, to come in to invest in those individual deals, or they operate under more of a fund model where they raise the money up front and then they go source the deals, and that they can offer to non-accredited investors as well. Okay. Yeah, and that's interesting. So the people can go into a blind pool and go into maybe smaller amounts of money. They don't have to prove that they're accredited in, in those, right? Yeah, and I mean, their minimum investment amounts can be as low as $1,000 or $5,000, yeah. um, and they are, they are aggregated into a blind pool. Yeah, so uh, I've heard uh, one guy say that some of those investors uh, in those size deals may uh, spray and pray. <laughs> and I just put money everywhere. I think it's fair to say that. And I yeah. think it's also fair to say that the amount of work that you have to do for the $1,000 guy or the $5,000 guy is just as much as you have to do for the accredited investor who may be coming in at 25000 or even 50000 because the dollar is all relative to the person, right? Right. So it's yeah. a co more costly one. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, and, and crowdfunding has been, been around for a while. And you've been doing it for a while. What's going on? What what changes do you see kind of occurring? Has there been some of these companies that uh, kind of have folded, uh, shut their doors? Yes, so one of the major ones closed their doors out of nowhere. Which one was that? That was Realty Shares. Okay. They closed about a year ago, mm -hmm. um, maybe a little bit more. Um, and you know, I think it's the first of a lot of transition that we're about to see in this industry. You have to remember, crowdfunding has been around for, since 2013, really, with the passage of the Jobs Act. Um, it's only been around an up cycle. Yeah. It's never experienced a downturn, and that is a proposition that I think we can all agree is in the not-too-far future. Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned that, because I've been thinking about that for a while. Crowdfunding's only been here when the markets have been good. Uh, you know, Property types have gone up in value, performance has been strong, and all the indicators are really still really good, really strong. Things are still doing well, but everyone is a little concerned about uh, the cycle being kind of long in the tooth and that things eventually are going to not be as great, at least. Uh, so so what, what happens then? What could happen then to kind of the, I don't know, the view of crowdfunding if some of those companies and deals go south? So listen, I've been advocating for this for a while now, and it will continue to be something that I push for coming into this year, because I think this year is going to be the year of change. A lot of the platforms out there um, will either go out of business or there will be a major consolidation in the industry as a whole. Why? Why? The, the whole industry, <laughs> I'm asking myself, um, the whole industry, right, was created in an upcycle, like I said before. It was created primarily by technology companies as well, who lacked the fundamental real estate experience to really bring in the quality deals. So for us, for example, we're founded, we're part of the Arbor family of companies. We share leadership. Arbor Realty Trust is a, publicly, a leading publicly traded mortgage REIT in the country. We have a built-in pipeline. 
Um, we have quality sponsors, people we've been doing business with for years and years and years to access quality deals with experienced leadership on the real estate side. These platforms, they're backed by venture capital firms. Venture capital firms need to see constant growth. They need to see higher, more customers, more investors, and more deals in the platform to drive investors, more dollars invested. And we're in, an, we're in a market right now where finding quality deals with solid returns is a hard thing to come by. Anybody with any level of experience knows it's better to sit on the sidelines right now and wait for things to change. Prices are just too high. So this, rest, this, this has created a recipe for disaster. And ultimately, the, the, the quality of the deals is taking a hit, and the investors who don't know anything are taking a hit as well, will take a hit. And I think that's going to be the driver for this industry. Yeah, but some of these crowdfunding companies, they've got to keep the deal flow, right? They've got to keep the deal flow because the deal flow keeps the doors open, the money coming in from the VC companies. Right. That's interesting. So it seems like, you know, when you look at this history of commercial real estate, crowdfunding is kind of rather new. And uh, you were telling me, tell us a little bit more that you were telling me earlier about uh, the real estate departments of some of the major uh, schools uh, having you on to kind of talk about, and they're learning really about crowdfunding. And, and how does that, how's that work? And what do they say? Yeah. What do they respond to? How do they respond to it? So that's actually my favorite part of the job yeah. is being able to go to uh, universities and MBA programs around the country and talk about crowdfunding. Mm -hmm. And it varies. Um, I've spoken at uh, the MBA program at Columbia to a class mm -hmm. where they've studied a business that one of the, our deals decide if they invest or not. Um, I came in and lectured and spoke about it. That introduction into the curriculum is a major milestone for this industry and shows how permanent it will be. And that's something that's important. Um, two, you know, we've done um, a lecture series now at, at, at the Harvard Graduate School program where similarly we talk about how, you know, technology is emerging in the space of real estate, a traditionally very old school space, right? <laughs> and what that looks like today and what that will look like in the future. Being part of these curriculums is important, I think, for the longevity. And we've been fortunate where NYU, the Shack Institute of Real Estate, has just done a case study on Arborcrowd, um, talking about the company and the industry as a whole. And I think that's the level of uh, promotion that's great for the industry, as long as you're doing so in a good, in a good manner. Yeah. Did you meet uh, Hugh Kelly there when you were doing that? Um, I did not. I did not. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what kind of tips would you leave? Uh, well, you're, not, you're not getting away from me yet, but what kind of tips would you give you know, a sponsor when they're thinking about crowdfunding? I think you have to think about crowdfunding in legitimate terms. Know who the platform is. It is not just a cheap source of capital. Mm -hmm. That is not the way that the platform should be working and the platform that you should be seeking out for. At the end of the day, you want to make sure the platform is set up well. They have gone through extensive uh, legal framework to create the company. It's a new space, a new industry. It's a little bit of the Wild West. Um, how legitimate are they? How did they, how did they, how did they set themselves up? So that when things do turn, right, will they have issues? Will they go out of business? Yeah. What happens then? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Well, I like the fact that you have some of the leadership uh, involved in your company that's also at uh, Arbor Crowd REIT because, or it's not called Arbor, it's called Arbor Realty Trust, right? Because you think about uh, underwriters who are underwriting from the lender side, they're usually the most conservative. You know, you know, it's like yeah, people ask, well, what was the cap rate? Was, well, whose cap rate do you want? The the listing broker, the selling broker. <laughs> you want the sellers, or you want the buyers, yeah. right? Or the lenders, and you or the appraisers, right? And you think sometimes maybe the lender is going to be the most conservative. Yeah. So we're we're, so we're at the end of the day, we're very separate companies and separate mm -hmm. offices, but. Mm -hmm. 
we share leadership and the relationships come, uh, are shared between. So a borrower who's going to Arbor Realty Trust looking for debt now is an opportunity to also be referred over to Arbor Crowd looking for equity and vice versa. Yeah. If someone coming to us looking for equity, we can refer over to the REIT. Yeah, okay, excellent. So what kind of tips would you give to investors who are thinking about or do invest in commercial real estate through crowdfunding? It's really important like any other industry to know who's your partner. How much legitimacy does that firm, person, individual, whatever they may be marketing on the platform, how legitimate are they? How long have they been around? How many deals have they done? And the platform you're investing in, what is their level of detail and transparency? I always say communication really picks up and starts the relationship after the investment, not in the sales period. Because at the end of the day, we asset manage our projects, right? Are the other platforms giving that same level of asset management support, ensuring quarterly reporting is happening, did the right level of distributions and, and checking, you know, really the numbers that are coming in off the property. That's an important thing. So knowing who the actual uh, deal sponsor is and the platform is, is ultimately something you need to vet even more strongly than the opportunity that's being presented to you because the opportunity may not be that crystal clear on paper. That's right, and the sponsor is so, so important. So I assume there's some crowdfunding out there that people are investing online and they're really investing through the crowdfunding company and then they're managed and really just deal, they're, they're kind of a middleman, you're really investing with the sponsor, is that right, yeah. some of them? The whole point, right, of the industry is to eliminate the middleman. It's to give people access. Yeah. Now, that's gotten a little bit washed, watered down, I should say, mm -hmm. um, given that who's interpreting the information and is it just a path? Is the crowdfunding platform just a path through or are they doing their own diligence on the project? Are they managing it as so, well? And that's this kind of, if you look at the second way, that's kind of what you guys are doing, right? You're investing in the deal. In, in getting involved as, as a, an investor and then reselling? So that's one of our biggest differentiators that we underwrite the deals in our own model and applying our own proprietary analysis based on our years and years of experience. And we actually write the check. After we like a deal, we write the check for that deal before we syndicate it out to the crowd. That's really important because if it ultimately doesn't sell, we're invested in it still. Okay. So, so if I'm a sponsor and I have a deal and I come to you for crowdfunding on the sponsor side, then you're approving it. If you approve it, you're investing with me. I'm done. I'm, I've closed. I'm go about my 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 project, right? And then you're they're dealing with the crowd. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And then the crowd knows who they're dealing with. They're dealing with you. They're dealing with us, and we stand behind our dollars, literally, right, mm -hmm. for that period of time, um, and our selection process and our partnerships. So yeah. ultimately, that's why you know we've a, two things have happened. That's that's been really interesting. That. I never really thought what happened when I started the company. First, a lot of our investors work in the real estate industry. They don't have the opportunity to invest with the principles of their funds. They see you know, our, our deals. They like the product that we're putting forth. They like our history, our connection to the deal as well. Um, and they're investing. I never thought that would be that would happen. Other people who are, you know, own three, four properties in a certain area want to diversify their portfolio. Our platform gives them that ability. That we, we, I was never expecting to happen. And the second thing really is how many investors are coming back, not for the second time or third time, but across all our deals. Yeah, well, that's interesting. And, and it makes sense that, that you've seen that because uh, 
fortunately here at my shop, we sell our large office buildings at my, on my team, and we get to deal with the funds and, and the, the REITs and the folks. And there's a lot of employees there. They do well. They understand real estate. They know real estate, but they don't really have the time or maybe the conflict to be going out and investing in these deals. So they just go online and invest. They're investing in what they know, right? That's 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 it's it. no conflict. There's no conflict. No time. And we, you know, we put together the same level of offering overview and prospectuses that they'd get anywhere else. So yeah. you know, 30, 40 pages of diligence is done. We're there to answer the phone. Yeah. It's quite easy. Well, it must be interesting if you're talking to a, a new investor that's investing with you, and then the next call is from somebody like me that's been in 35 years and six billion dollars in sales. And it must be a different conversation. A very Probably different easier. conversation. Easier, but that's why we staff. Yeah our calls with only people who have experience in real estate. Mm -hmm. There is no sales structure where you're coming in and speaking to an entry level person and then it rises up. Yeah. Everybody can dive into the model if they need to when they're on the phone with you. Yeah. And that's an important thing. So you guys are headquartered in New York? We are. And on the projects that you've done, uh, what types of properties, what sector, and, and geographically, what areas? Yeah, so we've done um, a lot in the Northeast, but really all over the country mm -hmm. for the most part. We focus on multifamily. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, more value-add strategies. We've recently done a ground up in, in North Miami, which we're very excited about. Um, and you know, we, we, we focus on B and C-class assets, I'd say, for the most mm -hmm. part. We think you know, multi's the bread and butter of the industry. Um, and the and the types of assets that we focus on when things do turn, you know, they're the last to get hurt when uh, things turn. Well, you know, it makes sense that you know if you're investing other people's money, that you want to be in a safe investment. And uh, you know, as as one uh, developer told me, they developed a lot of commercial and, and mixed use and retail properties. And he also had developed a lot of apartments. And he said, you know what, Michael, I'm sell all my commercial stuff and going back to apartments because. You know what? If you if you start having more vacancy, you lower your rents. It fixes it. It's it's pretty simple, right? Yep. Hopefully, you're in a market where there's always someone looking to live. Yeah, that's right. It's a it's a simpler product type uh, to to operate. That's for sure. When you think about you know retail and office, you got to look at the credit of each of these tenants and what their industries and what they're doing and and their leadership, how they work together. A lot more complexity. So uh, I mean, that makes sense. Any um, final tips you'd leave our audience uh, about what you expect for the future or what they might uh, think about uh, crowdfunding? I think this year is going to be a year of change. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to really focus on, like I said, who the platform is, who the sponsor is, ultimately who you're partnering with, mm -hmm. so that when things do change, you can feel um, secure in your investments. Yeah. All right. Well said. Well, thank you for being with us, Adam. Appreciate you being on the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. All right. And thank you for joining us around the country or around the world. Hey, please connect with us on your social media. And we appreciate you sharing the show with others and your comments. Please connect with us. on We're on Facebook. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Twitter. We're probably on other things I don't know about. So thank you for being with us. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit bullrealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com.